Hello, my friends. This is your brother Hampton from Hybrid Calisthenics. I'm sitting here with Humphrey Yang, a personal finance content creator, among other things. Super excited to connect with him. And I know it's not strictly connected to fitness and health and other things we do, but I get a surprising amount of questions from especially our younger viewers who want to go and do their thing. Because some people I've noticed watch me for fitness and some people also want to do something similar to me. They're like, oh, well, you are a content creator, among other things. How do I get started? I have no money. <laughs> uh, how do I get started in that? How do I make wise financial decisions? So even though it's not directly connected, I often do get questions about this. And I hope this podcast can bring a lot of value to people. Humphrey, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I've been really excited to meet with you and just chat about content creation. Maybe some of some of your building of your account as well. And we can talk about social media and, and how young young people can also get started in it if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did you get started into this? Because I've been watching it for a while. First on yeah. TikTok, we were both kind of on the grind at the same time. And I was like, oh, he's growing here. Oh, he had this video go viral. How did you get started? Yeah, that's funny that you say that uh, we've been both grinding on TikTok. I think the first time I ever heard of hybrid calisthenics was on iFunny. And it's because- oh. Oh, okay. It's because somebody on my TikTok was like, hey, someone's reposting all your videos to iFunny. And I was like, well, if they're reposting my videos, I should post my videos to iFunny. And I started doing that. And then all the comments on iFunny were like, this is the next hybrid calisthenics guy except for finance. And so <laughs> I got a lot of those uh, comparisons early on. And that's when I checked out your channel. And that's when I first discovered you, which was which was really great. To answer your question, though, I got started on TikTok about two years ago, almost. I had been a financial advisor before in my life for about a year and a half. And I've always been kind of interested in personal finance. And I help all my friends out with their finances. So if they have a question about how much they should be saving or budgeting or credit questions, I would always be the guy that I would answer, you know, my friends inquiries. And so eventually I, I wanted to try YouTube because I've always been in love with YouTube, even from a young age. And then it didn't really work out. I made three videos in the summer of 2019. They didn't go anywhere. I thought they were great videos, but you know, when you have no audience on YouTube, it's incredibly hard to break through. But I noticed on TikTok, right. you know, it was maybe August of 2019, October 2019. I was watching it a lot. And I realized at some point I realized there's no personal finance accounts on TikTok. No. And so I made it my mission or my New Year's resolution uh, in December of 2019 to make one TikTok a day for 30 straight days and just see where that goes. Okay. And it didn't have to be anything serious or, or crazy. It was just, my, I think my first video was, what is credit? Right. And I would answer what credit was, why you needed credit, etc. And within the first like six or seven videos, I think I had like one video get like a hundred thousand views. And it was okay. I, I think yeah. it was on I think it was on like dividends or something like that or or something. Mm -hmm. And that got me like five thousand followers or something like that. And so I said, Okay, well, I'll just keep going. And that's how I kind of got my start. And by the end of 30 days, I'd made one viral video <laughs> about a hydro flask. And that was actually from my experience of e-commerce, doing e-commerce businesses, I knew, <laughs> as I saw a fly on your screen, I, I knew that right. um, a hydroflask being produced in China is going to be way cheaper than what you pay for it in retail. So I was just kind of showing that kind of journey of how a hydroflask gets from the factory to the States and also where the markup lies. And I think that right. video got me above 100,000 followers in, in just a couple of days. And then at the end of 30 days, I just said, okay, well, 
I'm already at 100,000 followers. I might as well just keep going. Listening to this, um, now you can keep going. I don't mean to cut you off, but um, well, just as you've been talking, there were actually several things going on in my brain. Like It's how remarkable, remarkably similar our journeys have been so far. Mm -hmm. Because I also started in, okay, so hy hybrid calisthenics, I first thought of the name in like 2018-ish, you know, but th there was other stuff that was going on in my life. And eventually I had to put it on hold for a second. Uh, and it started off as a blog. And eventually it was really, yes, around December, October of 2019, then December when I got started and February of 2020 uh, when I first started on TikTok. Um, and oh. you're right. My first video got zero views. Uh, but my third video got, no, my fifth video got like 2.5 million. Um, yeah. got, me a couple, got me a couple thousand. So I'm sure you've noticed that the content that goes viral really, really affects like how many people will follow you. Because if it's just a joke video, less likely. Whereas, you know, my other one that went viral, a posture video, that got me over 100K. So yeah, very similar. At first, viral video got me about, you know, 3K, 4K, 5K. You know, engagement wasn't that great. And then the next one, it really hit. And that's when we started. And it's interesting that you say that about... Mm -hmm iFunny. Um, by the way, there is, I'm just going to mention, there is like a running gag. And for some people, it's not a joke where you don't want to talk about iFunny off iFunny, but we're already oh. in it. So I apologize to everyone Sorry. about that. You can't hide it that well. Um, and when did your iFunny stuff start circulating? I think it was probably in May of 2020. So you probably had been on iFunny or something. It was May or June or July of 2020 when somebody said, hey, you should post your stuff to iFunny. And I remember okay. just doing that the summer okay. yeah i'm gonna say it was july um yeah, because july. I, yeah because th there were a couple of videos that circulated and then i really got started um in late 2020 and i'm glad you know i'm almost i am glad that we're talking about this on live stream because th there's still some running conspiracy theories so to speak <laughs> that i because i you know it came out of nowhere you know like I, i'm sure yeah. like you probably noticed a similar thing i'll have to look up your account on iphone i'll follow you where people were like this guy came out of nowhere there's nothing particularly special fitness wise about me. You know, I mean, sure. I look distinctive, but I mean, there's people more, I don't mind this. You know, I like, this never hurts my feelings. There are people more muscular than I am. There are people stronger than I am. And there are people better looking than I am. I'm just, look, that's fine. I don't hinge my self-esteem on that. So I can admit that. So people are like, this guy paid iFunny $10,000 oh. to be featured there multiple times. And I was like, hmm, where's the money? Where's the money? Yeah. <laughs> so it's so interesting that um, hopefully some of them can hear this and listen about how we're also surprised that our stuff was circulating on iFunny. And it's interesting that you ended up becoming the personal finance guy on iFunny, or it sounds like it, because there I, was another guy called Nate Buck that was, hmm. um, you know, he built himself as the hybrid calisthenics for finance, I believe. Oh, interesting. Well, so that, that's the thing. I, I, I just cross post my TikToks to iFunny for about a month or two two and mm -hmm. then i i haven't logged on since so I, I feel kind of bad about that but i think at some point it stopped it stopped going by as viral or maybe i started making mm -hmm. worse or worse or videos or something so i was like yeah this is not gonna worth my time but it still was an amazing platform i got i think there are some very engaged people on ifunny and you get a lot Super of great angry. people messaging you asking you really great questions so i do like that community a lot i like it a lot too and it's a good thing i didn't write out any questions because i did not think we'd be talking about iFunny this early in the podcast oh, um <laughs> no it's one of my favorite communities and when i say that people there they kind of are like self-deprecating um because there are some 
interesting characters on iFunny. Um, mm. But there's also some super dedicated people. To this day, they're probably my most dedicated, um, I don't right. like calling them, like my most dedicated audience. Yeah. Whereas like if I were doing something, like when I launched my app, which we can also talk about, iFunny had the largest response rate. They featured wow. it uh, and, and then a bunch of people joined it way more than I thought. Um, even though my platform is technically about three times as, two times as big, sorry, 10 times as big on YouTube <laughs> and other places, iFunny still had the largest response. So uh, shout out to the people that are listening from there. I know some of them still yeah. listen to this stuff. Thank you so much. You guys are wonderful. But let's let's dial back a little bit because I, I can talk sure, about iFunny sure. for a while, but we'll, yeah, I want to bring value to other people. Your stuff started as uh, dividend stuff, and then you talked about a hydro flask one. Um, yeah. Go, can you go a little bit more depth into that as why you think that resonated with people and then go a little bit more into the point of the video as to the point you were trying to make and how brand really right. influences what we're willing to pay for something? Yeah, I mean, so that that was the thing is that uh, in the first 30 days, I was trying every single topic. I It's not like I was seeking to go viral, but I definitely wanted it as a bonus because I knew right. that it would actually build a following. Right, right. Uh, so I was trying everything. And I had remembered a long time ago, like even as I was growing up, I knew that every brand would mark up their stuff. That's kind of just right. like business 101. But it took me kind of a little bit to understand that. And, and then it wasn't until I started working in e-commerce that I realized, okay, whatever you're buying at retail is actually produced at much, much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And Hydro Flask was, is a brand that I think is very trendy among teens. I knew my tech target demographic on TikTok was probably teens or younger people. And I knew that at the time there was something called like a, a visco girl, which is, <laughs> it's like a meme for like, a, it's basically a way to describe a certain type of aesthetic that a girl in high school might kind of aspire to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Called, I uh, vaguely remember that term. Yeah. I vaguely remember it. <laughs> yeah. And so I knew that if I made a video about one showing the kind of economics of a hydro flask and showing that, hey, you can get it for much cheaper in China, that would do well. And it was a hydro flask. That's a trending topic. It would do pretty well on TikTok. The other great thing about this journey was that I had emailed a water bottle supplier back in 2018 or 2017 because I was interested in producing water bottles in bulk mass. So I had the exact supplier of hydro flask. Like I was able to find that information from an import export website online. And I had learned this trick from, (laughs) I learned that trick from someone else in e-commerce. His name's Dylan Jacob. So I want to shout him out, but he probably doesn't watch any of this stuff, but, but he founded Brewmate, which is a very successful uh, insulated bottle brand for alcohol. And he used to be big on Reddit as well. And so I remember reading in one of his ask me anything that, you know, one of the ways that he found out where the supplier was, was he would go on these import export websites. And so I kind of did the same thing because I wanted to make a water bottle at the time, but then I decided not to make the water bottle because mine was not going to be differentiated enough, but I still had those email receipts from the actual supplier. Okay. And so when I made the, yeah, when I made the TikTok, I kind of showed the, the email in the TikTok, like, Hey, okay. you can get these thousand bottles for $3 to 50 cents a bottle or whatever it was. Okay. And so I kind of, basically told the entire story of how you could get a hydro flask that's retails for $35 for maybe four or $5 from China. And that was very compelling. And that kind of hit home for a lot of young, young people at the time. First of all, that's a very neat trick. That's a very neat trick. Um, (laughs) I, I wrote that down because that's very interesting. Now, 
when you were making this, so that was one of your first videos, but I don't know if you reposted it or you remade it because I recently went on your um, Instagram and I saw that. So what was your point? What? That's that a, a remake. remake. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I liked it a lot. Now, that point, because just like the serendipity of everything, of where I am in my personal e-commerce journey, which I do not mm -hmm. mind sharing. I, I like yeah. I, my business model. I'm op open to talk about and publish. If there's a question I haven't answered, it's because I haven't thought to answer it yet. At your point, basically, it's that the raw material of something is always going to cost less um, than after a brand puts something, brand sure. puts their logo on it and markets it, marks it up. So you pointed this out, but what was your underlying point? Was your underlying point that was it really just to get people to think about what they're actually buying or was it to encourage buying generic brands? It was to get the first one, to get people to think about what they're buying right. and how much a brand can affect basically status and also how much you're willing to pay for something. So, you know, there are a lot of brands out there that upcharge for status, right? We can talk about Supreme or you right, know, any right. one of the designer, any one of the designer brands or, you know, Ray-Bans, you know, sunglasses, they all, you know, you're all paying, you're paying for something that, that it costs a 10th to make what they sell. sell right. So. Now, an interesting, interesting point that I want to bring mm -hmm. up um, because I saw this comment in your comment section is oh. that yes, it might, it might cost $4 to make per unit. But when you were buying this, is there a minimum, um, there is a minimum order quantity and how much right. does that impact your decision whether or not to proceed? Yeah, the minimum order quantity is usually 500 to 1,000 units, right? So right. the yeah. average person can't buy it for $4. And then the other thing that I want to actually bring up is that, you know, the brand has to actually charge a little bit more because they have a lot more costs to incur, right? It's not just the cost mm -hmm. of the bottle. They got to pay their employees. They got to pay marketing. They got to pay overhead for rent or whatever they might have for their factories. They have to pay their R&D teams. So at the end of the day, they might not actually be profiting $30 on a $5 bottle. They might be profiting more like five bucks or 10 bucks a bottle. Right, right, right. Which is it, way it more goes, It starts off huge and then it goes. <laughs> and that's the thing with all business though, is that most of the time you have a product and then there's a lot more costs than just that product. And that's how the world of business works and the people that can make good products at a decent price and, not kill their margins completely do well so it's kind of like how business all works i suppose as far as branding goes um mm -hmm. do you think there's an argument that could be made that because of the status symbol upgrade that you get from hydro flask you're actually getting that benefit like nobody buys really a gucci mm -hmm. t-shirt because it's more comfortable than right. than some other t-shirt uh, maybe a little bit but you can get one that's much cheaper they get it because it says gucci on it and it's like yeah i'm rich or i'm well to do or whatever you want to do yeah, yeah. Uh, how much do you think that factors in i think uh that's subjective based on who who's buying it some people really care about the brand sure. factor some people just want maybe they might buy the brand hydroflask because they know it's of quality because if it's that popular it must be at least decent of a product but i do think that status is one of the biggest wastes of money out there so right right <laughs> thank you status right. so so that's something that um i want to bring value to the user that you, you want them to think about how much brands are marking up they can also think about why they're actually buying this are they buying this in their mind they might have said it's superior quality uh, mm -hmm. but i would like to get users to think and listeners to think am i buying this because of what it might say to my friends. A, a great social media example is a verified check mark. Correct. Okay. Like how much value, there, there's no value to that really. Like, I mean, verified no. accounts, I am, a, I am a verified account. We don't necessarily make better content. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. 
it, it's become a status symbol because it's special. And a hydro flask might be considered more special, this is a great segue, than if I contacted the supplier and made a hypercalcinics um, hydro flask or hypercalcinics flask. And this is something that I want to do a deep dive on, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Because um, this is something that I am actively not struggling with, but oh. it's it's like I'm solving a, a word problem and I'm super excited by it. I love the journey, but I'm on this journey right now. There is an inclination to nobody's fault, especially not the consumer's fault, that if I sell anything right now, like if, if I sold this shirt, hybrid calcinic shirt, okay, most people would identify that if you pulled them as merch. It's merchandise, sure, right? Whereas Nike, if they sold a shirt or not even Nike, but let's like Abercrombie and Fitch or something, and they sold the same material, which sometimes it is like it is the same supplier, same material, but it's an Abercrombie and Fitch instead. You wouldn't consider that Abercrombie and Fitch merch. It would just be a product. They're in a parallel line. That's fine for because I have merch. I have stuff that's hybrid calisthenics, um, but I also want to explore uh, a business side of me um, to where I am doing an apparel line, uh, sure. beautiful day clothing. You know, and I well, well, that's you know it's passion project. I don't really need to make a lot of money from it. It's just a passion project. But there's a danger, a likelihood, I should say, that anything I ever release, if I don't market it properly, will be considered merch as compared to a product. You kind of see what I mean? In your opinion, is there something that resonates with you on how to differentiate that? I, I feel like it is a lot of how you position the brand and the marketing of that product. Because when people think of a product that any creator releases, it'll be just be, usually it's just merch, right? Right. You just think one-to-one merch because it's a creator and that's the product that they come out with. It's going to be merch. However, there are some creators that are trying to basically start clothing lines where they kind of disassociate. Yeah, yeah, they're associated with it, but they want the brand itself to have its own ethos. So it basically has its own life, if you will, or personality. And so they call it something completely different. They market it themselves, sure, but then they, you know, they might pump up basically what the brand is about. Maybe it's about super being super ingenuity or like have a lot of uniqueness or character, or maybe like you wear that shirt and you all of a sudden are gonna, you know, be a badass and take on the day or whatever it might be. You right, know, montage, right. montage videos and all that stuff. So I really think it is about the message that you send to those people that are buying that product through through branding and marketing to kind of separate it from merch which is, you know, like, for example, Mr. Beast release, releases a sweatshirt with his logo on it. That's merch. Right, right. But right. if he had created a, a separate entity and called it like Beast Apparel or something like that, just even the name Beast Apparel would probably start to frame it in, differently in people's minds. And then mm. if he, you know, you know, he infused it with designers from Italy or something like that and sourced the fabric from, I don't right, know, right. you know, little alpacas in, in Peru now you might be thinking of it slightly differently. So how it's positioned is a little bit different. That's my view on it. I mean, there are some creators, like there's this guy named Elliot Choi. Uh, he's okay. a YouTuber. He has okay. a brand called Copyright. And the brand, it, it's almost like a standalone brand at this point in my head because it doesn't feel like merch. It's almost, it. it they have like every, you know, every month they have a drop. And the mm-hmm. drop is super special. It's super limited. They've, they're kind of creating scarcity in that way. They're also sourcing materials right. from like really great places. So now all of a sudden you think copyright, you're not thinking merch by Elliot Choi. You're just thinking it's a, it's a brand. Right. It's a, it's a brand. Okay. Well, I almost That's, think it's like you have to frame it in, in, a, in a certain way. Right, right. Um, so number one, uh, a big part of it um, or something that benefits it is having a different name. But it's also a campaign 
I think. Yeah, I think um, it's well, well, yeah, I think it's name, but also uh, going an extra length to kind of differentiate the product, right? Mm -hmm. If you just start slinging T-shirts from a print-on-demand store and putting your name on it, that's very different than working with a designer to, I don't know, source the the right material or something like that. Well, that's just something to keep in mind, especially as I go on this journey. Tell me a little bit about your e-commerce journey, that because that's something. Again, we yeah. have. I was struck by how many similarities we had, at least in your intro sure. statement, um, because I also got into this to start an e-commerce brand, a physical products brand. Oh. I was like, well, you know, because at the time I was thinking home business and I was thinking right. to my mom, I had to find ways to make money from home. And I was like, e-commerce sounds like something that I could do. Um, and one of the things they recommended was doing content. So I started off doing content kind of as yeah. a, a way to start an e-commerce brand and promote an e-commerce brand. However, as soon as I got my first message, like this is my own thing. As soon as yeah. I got my first message saying, Hampton, thank you so much for your content. It really helped me. Can you please make more? That 180 to me. I was like, Phew. you know, mm. like I so I didn't get into it to be a content creator. I was making content to be a business right. person. Um, but as soon as I had a community, it, it activated something in my brain. Uh, to where it's like I now have to care for this community as if they're my own family, and yeah. I, I know. <clears throat> I mean, every business will tell you that, but I'm telling you too, and I'm telling you it's true. So it really became more about that, and that's why I put off my physical products brand for a while so I could focus on the community. Um, and thankfully, it's worked out okay for me. How did you get into the e-commerce thing, and did you do anything in e-commerce? Yeah, so uh, I I had been at a tech job from 2014 to 2016, a pretty demanding. Okay. It, I, I would work a lot of hours and I didn't really like working for other people. Um, I felt like my life was passing me by and I was just sitting in an office all day and uh, okay. it was fine. But um, ultimately I, I was, I think I was 28 at the time when I quit and I wanted to start my own business. I don't know. I okay. just had this stupid thought in my head that it would be cool to be a business owner before the age of 30. And so <laughs> it would be, I, I set out to, to basically make that come true. And so in 2017, early 2017, me and a friend, we saw that these posters from Europe were doing really well in America on e-commerce. The posters and maps, just like a city map poster of, I don't know, Paris or New York or whatever you want to call it. So we basically paid a developer. You know, I took some of the money that I had from the tech job. I took like 10 grand. My right, friend right. took some brands and we just paid a developer in Lithuania to make us a e-commerce website. And the e-commerce okay. websites, the premise was pretty easy. You put in your location, say you want to put in San Francisco and it would generate okay. a map for you in Google maps or whatever map mapping software it would be. And then it would overlay a really nice, beautiful design on top. So they were custom maps of anywhere. So you could even pan the, the map around to your exact location. If you want to zoom in to like your exact street or your neighborhood, and you can get a print of that. And they would print it out for you. Was this, you don't have to answer this. Was, mm -hmm. was this Graphopic or something? It was. No, that's Grapho Maps. I've heard of them. That was a competitor right. at the time. Very similar. Okay. It was basically the same thing. But he had made the website. The Lithuanian guy made the website. But it was on my mm -hmm. end to try to figure out, okay, now that I have this print file, how do I get it printed? How do I get it shipped and fulfilled to the end customer? And then I have to deal with customer support and marketing. Okay. So, so the website was just an interface, but then I had to connect all the dots in the back end, and that was fun for me. Great. And the way that we would scale it was through Instagram ads. And interestingly enough, we would use Instagram influencers. So I already kind of had this knowledge of how influencer works 
uh, okay. influence the world worked and how, you know, how much to price kind of my advertisements for the right influencers and, and figure out what kind of return on investment I could get. How did you do that? Sorry to cut in. Um, um, what did you price them at and how did you figure that out? A lot of trial and error. So I, I would, uh, you right. know, I initially just get rates from all the different, I would use memers. So they were a lot cheaper than your traditional influencer. So a memer is posting jokes, right? Like I funny, I don't know. Right, memer. right. And so they usually would have rates. And so you would just DM them and say, hey, how much for a 24-hour ad post on your page? And you would, you know, you would solicit all these rates. And then I would put them all in a spreadsheet and figure out, okay, maybe I'll try this one today. And as long as I was spending that money and I was getting a return of two or three X in sales, then I knew that I was profitable because the margin of the product was 60%. So as long as I get mm. double my sales, I would be profitable. And so that's kind of three X is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, actually back in the day when we first started the Instagram meme ads, I would mm -hmm. spend a hundred dollars and I would get back $500 in sales. It was crazy. It, I, it was, it was four or five X very regularly and we built up our cash flow really quite well but it was not scalable or sustainable why not why was it not scalable or sustainable yeah so every ad that i set up would be really manual i would dm the instagram influencer or the memer i would send them the mm -hmm. five or six carousel pictures that they would post then i would mm -hmm. paypal them and then i would have to follow up with them every single day that i wanted an advertisement post and there weren't that many memers available <clears throat> Maybe there was five or six that were good and provided a good return on investment. So you're constantly rotating between these five or six. And okay. that was good, but we realized we needed a scalable solution. So we needed to do more Facebook ads and Google ads. But that presented a problem too, because we weren't good at them. <laughs> right. So right. Right. It, it's tough. It, it was a tough business, but ultimately I learned a lot about e-commerce and a lot about business from 2017 to 2019, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, it kind of phased out in 2020. I kind of don't do it anymore, but because of the content, the content stuff started to take over. Now you said you wanted to become a business owner by, sure. um, before, before 30, what do you do now? And if that's not what you want to do, what are your plans? Yeah. So technically I am a business owner still with the content stuff. I would count this yeah. as a full-time business now. I mean, I focus right. on it full time. I have an employee, even though he's part-time but I can really see this scaling to a full-time business, like a, like a proper business with one full-time employee or two full-time employees next year. And that's how I spend my time now is just developing YouTube content and TikTok content. And also I have a newsletter and I'm trying to develop more, more offshoots and trying to figure out how do I educate people in a really good way in a really native way. So native on TikTok, native on YouTube. And then also how do right. I just educate people in finance, but also make sure that they're having a, that they're actually learning something and not getting sold, you know, a course or something, <laughs> a course or something like right. that. Right. Well, that's, that's super valuable. Um, especially the way your thing is set up now, you have an advantage, whether, um, intentionally or unintentionally in that you don't have a course right now. Right. No. Okay. So if you don't have a course, it kind of feels like as someone who's consuming your finance content, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to give you this, um, this short overview on how to invest. Right. But if you, I really want to know Humphrey Yang's knowledge. I had to buy his $5,000 course. And in, in that case, by the way, congratulations on becoming, doing this full time. That is a stepping stone. And after, after we're used to it, um, it's like not a big thing, but so many people want that right now. And right. it is, it is hard to get established and go full time. When you go make that first jump, it's like, see, even if you have money beforehand, it's like, yeah, like we're, 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 this is a new leap. So congratulations. That's, um, a huge achievement 
in and of itself. Um, and I think you have a benefit because you're helping people essentially for free now, right? You know, like, well, I mean, um, you're still, you still make income from other sources, but your content is available to anyone who wants to watch it for free. So that, that's amazing. And I think that's going to help your growth. What are your plans to expand this? Do you ever plan to make a course? Do you ever plan to incorporate your, e your e-commerce knowledge um, to resonate with what you have now? So this is actually what I want to talk to you about is because this okay. is something I struggle with very much. Um, right now, I make my income through a few different ways, right? I've got YouTube ad revenue, which is just people mm -hmm. click on my video, they watch the ad or skip the ad and I get paid, which is nice. Right. I like that. I like that method the best because I'm not directly selling them anything. And, right. you know, and they're kind of ex people expect ads in a YouTube video. That's fine. I have sponsorships on TikTok. I don't have sponsorships okay. on YouTube. I don't really have sponsorships on Instagram. I've done one or two on Instagram, but YouTube I've okay. kept sponsor free. In uh, Instagram here and there, but TikTok I'll do, you know, one or two a month. Okay. That's mostly where my income is coming from. Both those two sources, AdSense and sponsorships. A lot okay. of other people in my space finance TikTok or finance YouTube or Instagram, whatever. They got a course, they do six to eight sponsorships a month and they think that if they don't do as many sponsorships as they can they feel like it's a missed opportunity they'll right. have <laughs> uh yeah they'll have a lot of paid content you know besides courses you know whether that be a worksheet or some sort of like options trading whatever it might be and i don't know what to do i i, I really like giving content away for free but at the same time you know you you hear about xyz down the road or down the street and they're you know they're taking on a lot of sponsorships or they're, they're, they're pimping out their course or they're pimping out, you know, I hate the word pimp, but you know, they're, they're selling out their right, stuff. Right. I know what you they're mean. Make, they're, <laughs> they're making five times what I'm making. Right. And they're making five times what I'm making with maybe a quarter of the following or half the following or, or whatever. Right, right. That audience might. So I know like, Hey, if it's 2022 and I just want to make five times what I want to make, I could just, here's my six right. courses. Here's eight sponsors a month. Here's, I don't know, some paid stuff that you can subscribe to. And I, I have a hard time reconciling that. And I feel like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be a full-time content creator. But at the same time, I don't want to take money from people where I don't think it's deserved, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to take money from my audience, especially when the content that I can, that I provide, you can Google, you can find this stuff online on Investopedia. You can Google these questions. You'll get this stuff for free if you just do some research. Obviously I'm summarizing it and, you know, I'm putting it out in a really good and uh, concise way. But at the end of the day, I, I don't feel comfortable with the course yet because I would have to deliver a course that gives so much outside value that would be worth the price. And I haven't found mm -hmm. anything like that yet. Okay. Sponsorships so I'm kind of in and, in and out of because three or four sponsorships a month, that would probably be my max. And that's fine because right. as long as they're Is long there a reason you haven't like, done any on YouTube yet? Is there a reason you haven't done any sponsorships on YouTube? Yeah, I'm kind of scared of hurting the growth there. Okay, so it's it's kind of become more more so like sacred ground for you because you're it's a valuable resource now. Well, yeah, and I I would also say Hampton that I think that trust is very big in the financial space. It's very right. big anywhere, but especially in finance, it's very. Right, you're big. living. You need it's you living. need money to survive. You need some money to survive. Right, and so if you all of a sudden are an influencer on YouTube right? Which is where people get deep content from you. And mm -hmm. let's say I did a sponsorship with Fidelity. Then I do a sponsorship with TD Ameritrade. And then I do a sponsorship with another broker, I don't know, Charles Schwab. 
Okay. At that point, can you trust me? Because now I'm unsponsored by three different brokers, which are all competing. So, you know, what, what brand? Is, what brand is he? What What is he aligned with, or does he just care about money? So, I think integrity is really like one of the biggest traits that I have, especially, and I hopefully that shows with my audience. But other finance YouTubers will just tell me do as many as you can because you're missing out on opportunities. So, I, I don't know how to reconcile that. Okay, so I have several ideas because. Okay. Honestly, I'm going to start saying this more often and I don't, I, I want to see what the response is. But in my opinion, I'm more talented as a content creator than I am a fitness person. Fitness is cool. I, I like it. You know, I, I mean, I, strength and muscle, you know, like I have a calisthenics goal to do a one arm handstand push up. You know, that stuff is cool, but I feel like it's a little bit more of a straight road. Whereas content creation, entrepreneurship, all this stuff is like, I'm a little kid in a game, in a really cool game, okay? And if I win, or if I start winning, I get to help other people and myself, you know? Right. And it's just like, it, it's really cool. It's just, it's more, it's more complicated. And as a result, I'm more drawn to it. And because I spend more time thinking about it than I do, well, how do I get the perfect push-up? Because I, I really don't care about the perfect push-up. My push-ups are okay. My push-ups are okay. You know, I, I'm fine with my fitness. My first question to you, because the rest of it hinges on it, is, is what you have now, sustainable and you know i know we're doing this somewhat publicly so you don't have to give too much away but it really affects my answer for you uh, is okay. what you're doing now sustainable the work method the workflow that i have right now the workflow but also revenue and expenses i mean like if you don't like i'll put it this way if you don't change your business model do you think you'll go bankrupt eventually no no i'll be okay okay so it's sustainable okay so with that said um as long as the is... channels keep growing i think it is sustainable yes if they just okay, died today, then, you know. Oh, well, I mean, true, true. I, yeah. I mean, that could happen to all of us. I mean, it, I mean, it, I could get mass banned off all platforms later <laughs> yeah. this evening. You know, I'll be like, okay, well, I had an opportunity. You know, time to get a job at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, that's something else we can talk about. Like, I, I want to eventually invest in a brick and mortar business uh, just locally. Then what I would say is, what are your goals for your brand? Do you want, what are your goals? Would you, how would you summarize that in two to three sentences? I think it's as much financial education to as many people as possible for either free or at some sort of low cost that it's so valuable that it's, it's fine. So okay, mostly free. I would say free. <laughs> so that said, here's a couple of things you can consider. Now, I don't, not entirely sure of what certifications and legalities you need to go through, but it's possible to set up a business kind of like we've talked about, but not with e-commerce that runs parallel with your brand, but mm -hmm. is not Humphrey Yang. Humphrey sure. Consulting, your business. Humphrey Yang, your, your social media personality. Got it. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. And that would be scalable if you hired people to be financial consultants that you you endorsed and you trusted and you personally trained. So let, like, yeah. just, just to give an example, let's say this is um, just to... Throw something at you and you can tell me whether you like it or not. You can throw something, five or 10 well-trained financial consultants that you've worked with for several months and you can build this over several months or several years. And then eventually you offer that, um, they mention it every once in a while to your audience. It's like all my content is for free. And here's a tagline for you. I want to give you so much advice. You never need to hire us. Yeah, definitely true. Um, definitely true. What do you think of that? I think it's a great idea. I think that a bet... I think the idea that I had in my head, kind of the back of my head, so not that I'm not yeah. not liking your idea. I think your idea is good. No, no, it's fine. But, Go ahead. But the idea that I had in my head was create some sort of fintech app, right? And the app solves all of those problems because now I can scale to as many people as possible. 
not just five or 10 financial consultants handling, you know, a hundred people at a time. What would the app serve? What would it do? That I haven't figured out yet. So okay. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of want to do, I kind of wanted to basically in my journey through content creation, identify a problem that many people are struggling with in finance. So if I can, okay. if all of a sudden I keep seeing the same problems in finance from the community, the audience, mm -hmm. your audience, whatever it may right. be, then there's a problem there that could be solved. And if it could be solved with code in an app, then that would be perfect. If people have to pay a subscription fee for that app, I think I'd be okay with that. They don't have okay. to, but maybe that's some sort of way that that could kind of self-sustain itself, the app. That's what I was thinking. Just okay. ballpark. But it's okay. similar in, in, in your thought, which is, you know, create some sort of separate business that provides value and it's separate from the Humphrey Yang brand of content. Yes. Okay. So 100% something you, want to, you mentioned at the beginning, in my opinion, if this is what you want to do, then that's what I would pursue. Okay. Because like my, okay, I'll put it this way. My ex quick example of a consulting firm is only based my, on my loose knowledge of you. I, I can see we're probably gonna be good friends, but I, I mean, we really yeah. only started talking like a, a month ago. Like just to give an example, I would not like that. I would hate that. Okay. You know, like, oh man, I have to run a consulting business. Oh my gosh. Or like even, okay, something that's uh, that might resonate with people more, a fitness business where I, like I could hire personal trainers right now and do exactly that, but with personal training. Right. Um, and it, that'd probably be a quite a profitable business. I don't want to do that. Okay. I have limited sure. time. I, I have limited time and limited life, and li limited energy. <laughs> I do want to do everything, but that's very low on the list that I want to do. Um, your fintech app. So you are more, so I'll put it this way. You're more comfortable giving away your knowledge for free, basically, and then a separate service or product that you, you can serve with an app that people can pay a subscription for. Do you want to offer, have you thought about this? Do you want to offer a paid version and a free version? Yes. Yeah, I think it should always be as accessible as possible, but I don't know what that what that service might look like, but uh, okay. it's we still- haven't thought not, about it yet. Yeah, but that's my brand value is, it, or, or my that's how I define my brand is things should be free and knowledge should be free. And that's kind of my business model right now. That one of the biggest things that- a fitness content creator can sell is a course or courses. Right. Okay. Right. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. If you, if you want to do that, if you want to, but I mean, I was just thinking, wouldn't it be cool? I'll give you mine right now. I'll give you a quick summary okay. of mine. Wouldn't it be cool if I did um, fitness knowledge, you know, and I've been thinking for a while, people were telling me you should sell a course, you sell a course. And I was like, why don't I sell it for $0? Right. That way we can maximize the people that it benefits. Not only that, but I get feedback from it to where I can improve it. And, you know, I'm guilty of not, not updating it often enough. I do need to update it more often. I, I plan to make big changes soon. So I do that, but it needs to be sustainable, right? I was like, well, why don't I run a separate business, mm. right? Okay, a separate business. It actually does not, and as you expand, it actually does not have to be directly related with what you're doing. Like if you ran something on the side that was an e-commerce business where you sold water bottles, Sure. That doesn't directly have to be connected with Humphrey Yang. Let me share um, an example, I guess, because a lot of people in this field, they know about Gary Vaynerchuk, right? You've heard of Gary V, right? Yep. Okay. Empathy Wines was named Empathy Wines, not Vayner Wines. Mm. Okay. And there's a very little known, which I can link you, a very little known interview where he was talking about it, where he was talking about how some people misunderstood what he meant because he could be an amplifier, for empathy wines and he was he was really promoting it on youtube for a while but his entire thing that his entire reasoning for vayner media was so he could buy and build businesses that he was interested on the side without being directly connected to him like he can make 
all the media that he needs and do paid ads. That, that's really the thing that clicks with some people. Do paid ads for that company without ever being the face of it. So that's something that you could do is like you could either save up money now and run a separate business on the side or you could amplify it somewhat. Honestly, as far as efficiency goes, probably if you amplified it somewhat. That FinTech app right. probably, if, you, if, it, if it was positioned right, you can make a lot of money from it. Uh, especially if it's something that, that people would like. Do you have any ideas at all? Any ideas on it? I mean, not don't give don't give away um, any no. ideas that you think are secret. But actually, if you yeah. think of, just give an example. Give an example for our listeners. Actually, I don't have many ideas on the fintech app and what it could solve. But okay, I do know that there's a lot. There's a huge gap in knowledge for young people. Right? You you mm-hmm. graduate high school, you have no idea what to do with personal finance, and there's some sort of gap there that could be filled, which is we get you all of a sudden, you know, up and started what, with whatever you might need to like the personal finance starter pack for your age 18 person, right? Like what do they need to know and what do they need product wise to kind of get to a place where they're financially secure and know what to work towards. So a big one of those is establishing a credit score. You can do something with credit. A big, another big thing is like starting an investment, investing account, excuse me. So mm-hmm. a retirement account or investing account, because that would be good to force some savings for a young person to compound over time. There's just a lot of problems I think young people don't know about and, and eventually they'll need help with because it's not taught to them in school. So like, how do, how do you get a mortgage? If right. you're 18, you have no idea. Like I didn't know even what a mortgage was until I was like 22. And even then I still didn't really understand it. So there's just like a huge knowledge gap there from when you're 18 to say 30 years old and you buy a house and you have a family huge. and two kids. Huge. huge. So there's something <laughs> that can be solved there either with a product. There are some products out there right now, like like one of the biggest ones in social media is like the current debit card. And the current debit card, I don't really know what it does. It doesn't really offer you anything that's special, but it still is being targeted at Gen Z because, hey, you get your payday a little bit earlier, two days in advance. You can establish a little bit of credit, I think, with their debit card feature. And, you know, they offer you some other perks. But is that really solving the knowledge gap? Not really. It's just solving. It's just more like a product that Gen Z can use, which I so, still think is a good product. Not, not right. product. Yeah, I think it's I think it's smart. But but still, it's it's uh, there's something there, which is that knowledge gap. And that's what I plan to address at some point. So anything that. Just off the top of my head, and I'm undereducated on this. I, I'm not. I'm not very knowledgeable about finance, and certainly not to the degree that you are. Yeah. So, so maybe I, I could use a service after you have it. Um, but uh, something that a trend that I see is eliminating or changing the middleman. Sure. Right. So, what is the middleman for a lot of this? For some people, it's college, right? Like these are big topics that we could really get into. But I mean, for example, sure. a, uh, a barrier between education. And the consumer is college, but a lot of knowledge is already already available. Um, I guess some people may not think it's as verifiable. Um, maybe if there was some kind of certification where you could learn from someone who's certified or a professor from it. That's why I think blockchain is kind of interesting to people. So you think of things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, because we're talking very vague terms right now <laughs> as to what yeah. you could do to serve the 18 to 30 gap, something where you can eliminate the middleman and directly serve people, I think anything like that would be big, would be huge. I do want to say this though, um, this FinTech app, and I, I like for you to give me like an example of one so I, I could have it in mind of what a FinTech app is. And the second part of that is this sounds super expensive, right? My my hinky dinky, yeah. sorry, not hinky dinky, it's, it's small in the terms of like I how I've mean. grown it, not, 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 not Disciple Media, which is which I like. My app costs quite a bit of money, 
a financial aptitude degree that you're talking is going to cost way more. Do you have any plans on how to fund that? Yeah. So number one, an example of a fintech app is something like Acorns. Have you heard of Acorns before? Yes, I have. But I don't, I can't summarize the function. Can you give a summary? You connect it to your bank account and whenever you spend money, it rounds up the difference and invests it for you. So like, let's say you spend $4.50 at coffee, it'll round up to $5 and take that 50 cent difference, put it in an investing account for you and invest it automatically for you. Huh. Okay. That's called acorns. So that that's like okay. an example of trying to solve, you know, people that don't invest at all. It's like, okay, for your regular everyday spending, some of your money goes into an investment account. That way, these little acorns are going to grow up into trees later, you know. That's the whole premise. Uh, to fund it, yes, it's going to be really expensive. So I live in the Bay Area, and so basically I would have to get it venture funded probably. But I think a venture funded company or fintech app is a lot easier to sell, especially when you have an audience of people that, you can test it on or, you know, beta it. Right. So like if, right, if right. my YouTube audience grows to like a million, you know, I could go to one of these venture firms and say, Hey, let's make this app. Let's make an MVP product. And at least we have a million people that follow me on YouTube that might be willing to give it a try. Mm-hmm. For free, right. So we get some right. feedback immediately. And then if that feedback looks good, then the venture company says, okay, maybe we can give you a little bit more money to expand this a little bit further. But you're right. It, it would be way too expensive for me to start it on my own and self-fund it. I think that, I'd probably have to do like 50 sponsorships a month or, or something. Right, you know, right. you know, you say. right. Uh, what do you know of uh, NFTs? I've lost some money in NFTs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lot of people have. I like them. I like them. So yeah. I, I was a very early adopter earlier this year when I bought, when I heard about NFTs in like March. I figured. And I bought some Top Shot, NBA Top Shot NFTs. That's the first time I had heard, ever heard of an NFT. And I had made a video on an NFT on YouTube in March as well about the NBA Top Shot thing. I'll watch it. And See, that was like the first wave of NFT in the news this year. And then it kind of went away for a while. I mean, NFTs has been around for a, for a while since like right. 2017, 2016 with the Crypto Kitties. That's the first time I'd ever heard of something like that. I didn't really get mm-hmm. it at the time. This year, it came back around with Top Shot. And then I kind of gave it up for the summer. But now it's like in the, you know, it's it's going crazy these days. But there's a, there's a big market for it right now. I think that market is growing because people have so much money because so much money has been pumped into the economy as well as the crypto space that you have people that have had crypto for three or four years and they've all, you know, four to 20x their money. So they're they're looking at what else they can do with it. And an easy way to do that is through NFTs. Yeah. So the reason I asked that is first, because this seems like your industry, especially as someone who's into finance and was uh, yeah. in tech, but have you considered the possibility? And again, I'm, under, I'm undereducated on this of the realm of crowdfunding through NFTs for your app? I have not ruled it out. I haven't really thought of it until you brought it up there, but that's a definitely it's interesting. Idea. It's an interesting idea, right? I don't know the details of it, but I understand the basics of NFT and I, I don't want to, I don't want to become the educator because some people are listening to this right, right. now. Uh, they're like, what's an NFT? I, I recommend you don't, I know about them. I know the potential about them and I don't, I know some people hate them. So I'm not going to say, Oh, I, they're going to be, but they're either way. I think they're going to be big. Maybe they have the potential to be big. Well, Maybe. this is what I'll say. People, it's still it's still too hard, in my opinion, for the average person that you meet in Walmart to do something with an NFT. Okay, Agreed. whereas any anybody can go and sign up on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. okay, it, it's gonna be something like if Instagram integrates with NFTs or something, sure. or they they offer some some way for it, it to show and be broadly available. Um, that's when it will permeate permeate the um the public. 
Yeah, opinion. right now it's still a bit difficult. You know, you have to go on Coinbase or wherever your exchange is. You have to right. transfer your Ethereum or whatever it is to another wallet, which just lives right. on your computer. And then you right. can go buy the NFT. And then it's like, okay, you know, it, right. it, there's a lot of layers there. So yeah, there's a lot of friction. Right. So my whole point of, of that was, hey, if you're listening to this and you're interested, um, Hampton is not necessarily recommending that you go and buy one. I'm definitely not. Right. But I don't want to become the educator. I, I don't want to give a summary of it right now. I recommend you probably just look it up on google or youtube yeah it's definitely uh, yeah it's really I would beyond the scope of this it's a new space it's very speculative it's the most speculative way to invest in cryptocurrency stuff it's very green so like you could still learn a lot and you could still right. get into it it's pretty early on still but it is growing right so there you go and i'll stick with this a little while longer sure. and then we'll go into some sure. finance stuff okay. um yes. th this podcast really went a different way i don't know how it'll go because i didn't like there's so many different things we can talk about. I'm interested in the content creation stuff and the entrepreneurship stuff and stuff that you're doing. I don't yeah. know exactly what the audience is. So we'll, we'll explore. Um, and okay. then we'll put that podcast and we can always do another one. If people do, want to know more about a, a certain topic. Do you have a team? Do you have somebody helping you with the, with the clips and stuff here? Or is this all you? Okay. So, th so this is really interesting. Uh, I brought this up in a podcast last week on fitness FAQs, whereas I am the only person for the content creation team because mm -hmm. I have a, a virtual assistant and a store manager. Virtual assistant uh, is goes by Plague. Uh, she'd rather go by that than her real name, she tells me. So shout out to Plague. And shout out to Jamie, who is my store manager. Both of them are really cool. But as far as content goes, right now, I am the only person. So I'm going to do a joke post on Instagram where it's like, most valuable employee, me. Worst employee, right. me. Laziest employee. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I'm going to do that while well, I still have a chance, but I am looking to expand. So I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this and then we'll transfer to something else that's um, related to finance and how sure. people listening can explore the world Hopefully, of yeah. finance. This FinTech app, I'm interested in it and I think it has potential, but I, th I would think that you would have, are you open to having stepping stones? There. This is our first year. <laughs> this is our, our first uh, first couple years as content creators. Are you open to doing, for example, an e-commerce brand that can help you build to that? Are you open to doing some other business and help help you build to that? Or do you, in your mind, ideally, would you go right there? That's a good question. I think that instead of starting an e-commerce brand to get myself there, I would rather just focus on the content creation side and grow my audience as big as possible. Because the purpose of having a stepping stone e-commerce store would to, would be to generate revenue for hopefully the app. I right? see. And you don't necessarily want that. You want, to, you want venture capital for it. Yeah. And, and that's the only thing. That's not the only thing. Maybe I don't need venture capital. Maybe I can do it like a friends and family or something. But the thing is, is that with, with finance yeah. content, at least if you grow the finance content, it, it is so well compensated and it's a self-sustaining that that could be your right. cash flow. That could be your cash flow to something else. CPM for finance stuff is very high, right? Yes. And so I think that my biggest opportunity now is just to double down on the content and grow my YouTube channel as big as possible and my TikTok as big as possible. Yeah, the CPM on my videos is 30. So that means the RPM That's is huge. Like, the RPM is like 15, right? So if I get a thousand That's views, higher than my CPM. That's higher than the <laughs> <laughs> so major props to that so so that's why you see the biggest youtubers i mean their adsense alone is is bringing in one to two million dollars a year if not more. oh yeah. yeah yeah so you know i think i realized that opportunity at least on youtube that i just need to double down a little bit more on the videos you know and if i'm giving out content for free on youtube then it's going to self-sustain the rest of the business and then hopefully I can come out with some better free products and continue that uh, brand ethos that I have, right? Which is high integrity, high value, 
hopefully free or very low cost. And that's what I really believe in. So Okay, so one of the uh, benefits of that, if you double down on your content, but also on your community, yeah. um, and we've talked a little bit about the mm-hmm. community aspect of this, is you might be able to identify this need better. Exactly. Because, you know, we, we all, like, it's easy to, like, if we sat down, and this was a business meeting, and we're, like, pontificating, or we're thinking on what is the best app. Let's say we have $20 million budget or something uh, for, sure. for this app. You know, if we sat down and we're like, it's just you and I, what can we make in fintech for an app? Okay, we thought about it for an hour, we're like, oh, this is great. This is great. You know, and I, I, you know, I have some pride on being able to identify consumer needs, but, you know, and you're, you're knowledgeable in finance. If we thought of one, it may bomb <laughs> just because we think we <laughs> exactly. know what people want, uh, but we don't necessarily know because, I mean, greatest example of this is content, right? Sometimes you think something, oh, this is going to do really well. This is going to get, this is going to go viral. And then it gets like, you know, 10,000 views. I'm like, oh, well, because I was wrong about that. Or yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a couple of your viral videos that went viral at first, you might not have known that they would go viral. You may not have known the Hydro Flask original would have gone viral. So I think that yeah. is a lesson in humility to us. Listen to content creators, but to us as humans in general, that we don't necessarily know right. what the audience wants. Sure. So and you see that all the time just with like small businesses, right? Someone creates a restaurant right. and they, they think it's the best idea in the world and it fails. And they're just like, what? Yeah. So unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. but with, um, with a community, you would get greater insight in that. Have you thought about your community as- aspect of the Humphrey Yang brand? Because Yes, people are coming to you for one-to-many consumption where you teach them. But have you thought about having some kind of uh, ecosystem where they can live and help each other with personal finance? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's something I need to really build out this next year. Right now, it kind of just lives in the content or the comment pages on YouTube right, or TikTok. Right. I, had, right. I had a Discord. I still have a Discord, but it's not very active. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to okay. keep people active in there. I have a Patreon. It's pretty low cost. You know, it's like six or nine dollars mm-hmm. a month at most. But the people mm-hmm. aren't really active in there as well. It's just more the of them supporting my work. So I appreciate those right, people. Right. But yeah, in terms of Cut just mine as well. Yes. So in terms of community, I don't have something like your app, for example. Or I don't know how do you engage your community and wh- where do you where do you see the most community engagement with each other? Something that would probably surprise people, I guess, which is why I want to bring it up about my community aspect is how big Discord is. Wow. Um, yeah, especially for, like right now, like as we've been talking, it's a good thing you can't hear my computer audio because it goes, every day there's probably going to be, I don't know, several thousand messages in Discord. I know that's not comparable to like the biggest Discords, but as far as fitness goes, it's pretty active because people, you know, Discord is expanding. Yeah, it's expanding to different portions, but it really started off as a gaming thing. But just to give people an example, give people an idea, I'll search it right now. Uh, while we're doing this podcast, uh, I'll type in fitness, effective fitness, 12K, first thing that came up. This is just members, not activity. Jim Shark, uh, Jim Shark is at 1,400, 1,400 members. Joe Rogan Experience, 5K. So it's, it's like, look, Joe Rogan Experience, huge, right? Has 5K members. So that, that's kind of like how Discord is right now. Not everyone's on it yet. But for me, it's a great place to engage my community. Um, and the reason I was looking at that is I'm relatively new relatively new on the calisthenics and the content creation and the fitness field and i think i have the largest calisthenics server how did you get the people in there that's my question i say that not as a bragging point but to be like this is like how relatively obscure it is now because now i can put something online and say hey here's my discord and a lot of people are like well what's discord i won't join it i like hampton but i won't join it i have an advantage in there in that that's just like how i like to communicate i communicate through text pretty well for someone who does video as his primary medium 
I like texting and chatting and like sure. chat room style atmosphere. Maybe partially because how I grew up, I grew up on MSN, the generation before mine grew up on IRC. <laughs> and there's probably some stuff before then. Um, but MSN, you know, th that was how I talked to my friends back then. And for me, Discord is similar to MSN 2.0, probably 3.0. There's, there's other stuff in between, like Facebook Messenger, for example. But that's really how I started growing it. A lot of stuff in that community isn't about fitness. It's just us chatting. That, that's how I grew a community there. Um, because if it was just fitness, people will eventually run out of stuff to talk about, I think. Um, and I mean, people are, some, some people are there just for fitness and they, they don't stay. It's, it's, um, it's a rotating cycle. Like I answer their questions and they leave. So there's that. Some people prefer that. Some people prefer like how my app is, Cultivate, where right. it's really comparable to Facebook, I would say. I don't know if you checked it out, but it's comparable to Facebook, much more no, so than like it. Instagram. Just to summarize what I mean, because I, I know that my thoughts can, <laughs> I can go on tangent sometimes. How I grew it, I stayed active and I had an advantage in that. I was there all the time. Okay. If I just left it alone for two or three weeks or a month, activity go, you know, and it makes sense because, right. Because look, people are joining your discord server because they know you, you're going to be like the thing that everyone has in common, just about everyone has in common. Whereas you know, finance, not even as much. And some people may not feel like they have the right to talk. They may feel a little bit like they don't know anybody. So yeah. the community there is not going to grow as much. So like my activity is directly connected to the activity of the community, both in discord and in cultivate. And because similar to how I had an advantage in cultivate uh, and sorry, an advantage in discord, I have a slight disadvantage in cultivate because I don't post there as often. And as a result, it probably hasn't, it's not as active as it could be probably by two X or three X. That makes sense. So yeah, th there is that. But I think, Offering a community venue, a community stage for however your community wants to interact is valuable. So for you, I would consider Facebook group, hmm. especially because you might, you might attract, how old is your audience? Do you know, you know, the, well, on YouTube, on it's, uh, 25 to 34 is the biggest and then 18 to 24 is the next biggest. Okay. So oh. we're on, um, 25 to 34, we're on Facebook. The, like yeah. a lot of Gen Z, like people who are 13, they don't have a Facebook. Some of them don't have a Facebook. They're open to making one, but I think that's perfect. I would try something there. Okay. And, you know, I would consider, you know, this depends on how you want to frame it. Do you want it to be called Humphrey Yang or do you want to be called personal finance advice? I might call it something, something completely separate. So... Right, right. That way you can invite other, because like a content creator you might like, they may not join because it's Humphrey Yang. Yang but if right. it's just like, personal finance, they'd be like, Hey, you know, I'll come in, you know, I'll spread my own stuff. And for you, you're welcome to that, right? You, you just want to benefit your community. It's like, yeah, you know, like yeah. if you have good stuff that I haven't talked about yet, come in, please. And that's kind of, it's, man, I, we could really go off on this. Like, like why uh, my e-commerce stuff, you know, I've kind of hesitating on calling it hybrid calisthenics as the brand on the right. on this equipment, because I don't necessarily, I don't need it. I'm, I'm kind of similar. My CPM and RPM aren't, aren't as high as yours, but even on just ad revenue alone, and because I'm relatively, <laughs> I don't require a lot to live. You know, there's not, all the stuff is optional. I, I don't need a whole lot. I don't need a whole lot. So I don't have to do the e-commerce brand. I, it's because I want to, and I right. want to offer a good product. But if I offer a good product, it's much less likely that even some of my good friends would use my fitness gear because this is hybrid calisthenics. However, if it was called hybrid fit or something, or, or just like, um, whatever you know, ham fit. I, I don't know. It's like sure. some, something that's not related to me, tree fit or something. I, I don't know. They're much more likely to use it in my opinion, because it doesn't say a competitor's brand on it, even though I'm really making this for them and not as a competition to them. So I think that's a good idea. And 
we'll have to talk afterwards about how we can grow our communities. And if I can help out at all, um, let you. me know. Yeah. I, this is something I'm super passionate about, which is why I'm talking more in this podcast than I usually do in these, these types of podcasts. I hope that's okay where I interview oh, someone just because yeah. you got me excited about it and I, oh, I, I want to talk about it more. Yeah, I've always found the, the community aspect the most difficult part, one of the most difficult parts about content creation. The videos are one to many, right? Bringing that into a smaller circle is, is a lot tougher because you have to be present all the time. Just like you said, you have to be more active. It takes more of your time, which means that your time is already spread thin as a content creator if you're on multiple platforms. So right, unless you're right. like a huge team engaging everybody, it's really tough. And that's actually what I find is the toughest part of my day is figure out where to prioritize my time because I'd like to do everything. You know, if it were up to right. me, you'd get a video or two on YouTube a day and you would get a video on TikTok a day and I would be active in Discord and a Facebook group and my Patreon and all of it, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, you know, I make a YouTube video and I'm tired. <laughs> my, my brain right, is right. 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 So it's hard. I think it gets a lot easier. So this will be a statement and then a question, which is something I wrote down at the very beginning. Sure. As you grow and you become more advanced, and I'm going through a similar process right now, and you hire a team. Like, as you mentioned, your CPM and RPM is high in the finance field. You're probably more financially able to hire a videographer or a designer than someone with general speaking as yeah. or like ge general as, as their field which is almost what i'm doing <laughs> just because i spread my stuff so wide right, um, right thankfully i'm covered just like through scale alone so you're, you're more able to do that and in your opinion here's the question do you think that's a major advantage in your content creation journey because this is something that content creators will wonder is you might have more of a financial leg up because you're financially savvy because you worked in tech you know live in the right. bay area you know, and your niche is a profitable one. Do you, do you find that having that extra capital was an advantage in your content creation or do you think not as much? Well, so far I haven't really deployed my capital that much to okay. reinvest in the channel. So what I'm really trying to focus on, yeah, is for the next year or two is to really reinvest all the money that I get from the AdSense or whatever the sponsorships into making more scalable solutions for content because yes i do i do think that's an advantage right like if I, I know right now if i made a video a day on something relevant then the channel would probably be financially quite viable right and it, it would right. probably pick up momentum and that momentum would be worth a lot more a year down the road mm -hmm. so right. if i hired someone today which i have my one teammate and i wish he was full-time but he's doing some other project right now to the end of the year true, true. like let's say at the end of the year i hire him full-time and we can get out twice as many videos and it's 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 kind of like a no-brainer. It's like the input doesn't match the output. The input is going to be another video, but the output might be an outside return and that'll keep feeding the kind of loop, which I do think is a big advantage. I think other content creators, especially if like you're in like, let's say you're a gaming channel, you're right. going to need a lot bigger of a scale to even start to hire your first person versus with a finance channel, you could have 10,000 subscribers and probably be right, financially right. viable, right? Like whatever, whatever right, right. that metric might be. But uh, as you know, YouTube is pretty tough too. Um, yeah, it can be a tough nut to crack, it's but especially with shorts. Have you have you explored shorts? I know we've talked about this before. We, we talked about it. I had a hard time with shorts on my main channel. So I would post a short on my main channel and wouldn't do well. It's been almost two months or three months since I posted a couple of those shorts and they don't blow up. I have a separate channel that I have a virtual assistant posting three of my TikToks a day on without the watermark on a separate okay. YouTube shorts channel. But none of those have blown up and it's been a month and a half. It's okay, interesting day. point. This might excite you. In two or three months, not necessarily the cutoff. Okay, so 
when I was on YouTube Shorts in December, which is like I got on early. I got on early. Yeah, that uh, was smart of you. It, it was smart of me, but also not smart of me now that I don't replicate on the process of how I found out about it, which was just one stray email from YouTube. You know, uh, if I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't have been on for several months. Oh, uh, they invited me to a workshop where they explain YouTube Shorts. You know, basically, like the idea was like we were all waiting for it. We had heard of YouTube Shorts, but we didn't know it was out. And they said, no, no, no. If you upload a short form vertical video under 60 seconds in December or November of last year, it will get circulated. Interesting. When they, when they were saying it's not out yet, they were talking about like right now, when you go on YouTube, you can create one in there. Basically, the, the TikTok uh, infrastructure. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So had I known you back then, had we been better friends, I would have told you about this. Um, and I messaged a couple of my friends. Well, I was like, hey, these shorts, they don't do as well at first, but then they blow up. Okay. And I, I messaged uh, one of my friends who's a, who's a cooking guy. You know, his blew up in like like two weeks, which is really what I was thinking or, or a month. Yeah. And he was like, wow, God bless these. Okay. And then he was like, thank you for telling me about this. I'm like, yeah, I, I want to help you spread this. And before I go far further, I don't take credit for this because if their content wasn't good, it wouldn't have worked. Okay. Right. So it's not me telling them. It's, it's, it's them. Um, another one is a bodybuilder friend of mine. And I told him, <clears throat> and he was doing really well on TikTok. I was like, hey, try this YouTube short thing. And he was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. You know, and he posted one or two and they got like 2K views. And I, and I was like, oh man, he's going to think I was full of it. Like two months ago in like, like August or whenever he started blowing up. So it was oh. like six months later. Wow. <laughs> he was I think the, you told the me fastest about it, He was the fastest growing fitness account for a while. And I think, I think, I don't know any, uh, any anybody else. I think he is the fitness account with the highest engagement online right now in the world. That's awesome. I haven't had that that luck or success, but it's okay. Uh, I think even my- We'll see. We'll see. They'll grow. They'll grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I have three a day going on the other one, so that's fine. And then- Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And like then the main channel, the only reason why I don't want to do three a day there, because I think that the main channel has already been, like, by the time you told me about the shorts, my main channel already had 200,000 subscribers, and they were only used okay. to seeing long-form content. So I think if I started spamming them with short form content, it might be like, what's going on here? It's not necessarily a good idea for everyone. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, right. it really depends on how you do it. Um, I can only speak from my experience. And th the reason I brought up shorts was to tell the audience about it more so Got it. than you. So I just want to, I want to clarify it because I think with what you have and with the finance field, uh, if it's working, stick with it, in my opinion. So we have a downside in both finance and fitness, whereas I think cool looking stuff gets advantage, right? Like uh, magic or even just like funny viral videos that trend on um, the FYP on TikTok and somewhat in YouTube shorts, they have an advantage over educational content. Oh, great. So great. let's kind of dive into the personal finance side of things if you're if you're okay with that. Yeah, let's do um, So this is the part of you that existed well before uh, you were ever Humphrey Yang on social media. This was just right. like, what, what do your friends call you, Humphrey? Yeah, just Humphrey. Okay. Some some yeah. people call me Hump, so you can call me. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna make that joke, but I didn't I didn't want to just in case. It wasn't, uh, no, yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I go by yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I go by Hump if you'd like to call me that. Yeah. No, I go no. I mean, no, I wasn't gonna call you. I was gonna say like, what are your friends like before you were Humphrey Yang? You were just Hump, right? Yeah. Uh, hump. Because I, people, another thing, we're similar. People call me Hamp. 
Hampton. You know, Hampton. Hump. <laughs> yeah, Hampton and Humphrey. Before that, you gave personal finance advice. What did that look like? Can you kind of just explain the field in general to our audience? Yeah. So a lot of my friends would come to me and ask me, "Hey, why is my credit score down? Or when should I pay off my balance on my credit card?" It's a really easy question, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some other questions we might be like, "How does a mortgage work?" Or Hey, when I lease a car, what should I be looking at? Because I, I, I've leased a few cars in my past. And so I know what to look for, you know, how to negotiate just simple questions like that. And then people would ask me, you know, like, Hey, how does a call option work for, for stock trading, for example, or how do I set, you know, how do I set the price that I want to buy the stock at so that it can automatically go through and I don't have to think about it. So I'd answer a lot of these types of questions with my own friends. And I felt like, I always had known that stuff just because that's what I'm interested in. I, I've been investing for quite a while. I grew up in a pretty money-oriented household. My dad's always kind of interested in money and always, you know, counting his money. Not counting his money, but making sure that we have enough to live. Right. Budgeting was always like a passion of mine, like knowing that, you know, trying to live off of as little as possible while saving and investing as much. Because if you have a low lifestyle, then a low-cost lifestyle, then, you know, you don't need as much to survive, number one. And number two, you grow your wealth faster. So always kind of interested in all that stuff. And, and ultimately still, I'm, I'm still pretty money driven and I, I'm, I'm a capitalist here, right? Like I'm trying to make money, but I am right, also right. trying not to scam people if, if, if not scam, but you know, like take more yeah. than I give. I don't want to take I, more than I give ever. So I, I want to understand what I, I understand what you mean, but um, we have some younger viewers who kind sure. of like had a physical reaction right now when you just said capitalist, it's not necessarily bad. Okay, because you are trying to give value in exchange for their money, right? So right. doing what you do, if everything happens ideally, the money that you have, the capital that you have, you want it to be equal or less than the value that you gave, right? It's like a byproduct. Yes, I want to basically, the way that I view the term capitalism, which is, we don't have to get mm -hmm. into that, but basically right, if, right, right. You decide, if you provide an outsized value, then you will be returned with value in, in, in and of itself. Right. And there are many ways, there are slimy ways to do that. And there are people that, you know, don't deserve that value. And that's how the system is set up. But ideally, if I give out a lot of great value and hopefully I get back a little bit, then that's fine. That's the ideal. That's the ideal. That's the ideal. Um, I want to give just an, an overview of our audience um, and who I okay. expect will be listening to this. Uh, a lot of people who click on this because it is a fitness channel. Um, it's not yes. going to be as much as like if I did like with another um, fitness influencer or content creator. Uh, I think a lot of them are going to be younger people in the 18 to 30 bracket, 18 to 30 age bracket that may be struggling with the usual finance problems in that sure. age bracket. So some of them may be in debt. Some of them may have, this is a recurring thing that I've seen a lot in our discord and just from learning from our community. A lot of them are kind of, not, they're not on great terms with their parents. They're not mm. on great terms with their parents. And they want to leave that because it's a toxic environment. I don't know whether or not, I don't know whose fault it is, but in their opinion, it's a toxic environment. They want to get out, but they have financial problems with that, right? Like you want the freedom that comes with being away from your parents, but we don't, they don't have the financial capability yet. A lot of them are struggling to get a job. A lot of them, if they're past college are in debt, sometimes like hundred, 200 K in debt, uh, unfortunately. What are some quick tips, like say top three that you would give to that age bracket and those kind of people you obviously you can cut your expenses right like everyone says cut your expenses but there's only so many expenses that you can cut and so really one of the biggest ways to get out of a situation like that is to make more money now making more money is easier said than done in fact it, it's right. hard right it's very hard especially when you don't have a job and you don't know what to do but 
if once you start to make a little bit of money and you understand like, okay, if I do a certain action and that action actually produces some sort of return for me, and I just keep doing that, then that it's almost like building a muscle of money making. And that's kind of hard to start with. And, and, and when you have no base to start with, it's very difficult to come by. But I would say focus on a really small goal first, which is, okay, how do I make $10 today? Right. I mean, $10 won't get you anywhere, but the mere act of trying to make $10 might get you somewhere. So, you know, something that you could do is maybe your town has a, a bulletin board, right? And you could write a little ad like, hey, for 10 bucks, I will bring your groceries to your house. Something like a service-based business, right? Or right. maybe for 10 bucks, I will, I will repaint your curb. Or for 10 bucks, I will mow your lawn with your lawnmower. So basically right. just giving up your time for that money. Right. And when you earn that $10, that's kind of like momentum. Then you can start kind of building that momentum and say, okay, well, the next day you go, you go out and say, okay, how do I make another $10? And maybe you try something different. And eventually you land on something that you might be kind of good at. You, you usually will probably gravitate towards something that you're good at because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to try to make $10 doing something you've never done, like sewing or something, right? Or, or, <laughs> right, right. or crocheting or something. So you try to you try to lean on that. And then I think it kind of snowballs from there it, as long as you keep that momentum going and you're constantly thinking about that problem. But that is the one thing that I think a lot of young people maybe don't do is that they maybe get a job, a nine to five job, and they don't really think about how can they increase their income. They're just kind of like plodding along in their job and just managing their debt. And when it comes to debt, you know, obviously don't get into debt if you can avoid it, but pay off the high interest rate debt First, always make your payments on time, minimum even, just so that you don't get in more trouble. Because the more trouble that you get into or the more financially set back you get into, the harder it is to climb out. And so I know those are very like broad-based kind of tips that I have. And and um, also, I do, I do want to say that I did not grow up in like a not so great household. I grew up kind of half well off. So I don't, I didn't right. run into many of these problems that your audience might be going through. So maybe I might be a little bit disconnected from your audience as well, but absolutely. Well, I mean, we are in some ways, we all right. have some certain advantages that we may not have really thought about. Even mm -hmm. some of us consider us like, even if we're lower than average on the advantage base, uh, some people don't have arms and legs. So right. um, there, there is that you brought up an interesting point of the kind of the stereotypical or the archetype of a young person working a nine to five, often at a restaurant or something, and they are paying off their expenses. I notice a lot of them have new cars. I don't have a new car. You know, I don't mean anything by this. This is not a measurement of your worth. I make more money than they do, and I don't have a new car. Um, but they they got roped into paying like four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars a month into this, and they're just barely making their ends meet. You mentioned making some extra money in this in this sense. It would be like a side hustle, right? Sure. Um, like $10 or so. Can you expand into that a little bit more, especially if they already have a paying job? If they, Because the first example was kind of like if you just needed some way to make money. Right. But let's say they already have a paying job. They can't easily get a raise. It's not one where it's like results oriented, like you're a server or a line cook. Um, so it's pretty much show up, get paid. What would you do in that situation? What would you recommend in that situation? So in this situation where you have someone, maybe maybe they're a server, maybe they're a, a line cook or something like that, and they, and they work a normal nine to five job. Well, first of all, let's address the first question, which is the nice car thing. Like if you have a normal job, then obviously, not obviously, but you want to make sure you're not living above your means, right? Living above your means 
with a job that might not have a higher income potential, it's just going to hamstring you in growing your wealth and actually becoming financially free. So I would say it's almost like more important to live well below your means when you're working at a job without high income potential than it is like if you were getting paid like 500K a year living below your means. Because if you're making like 500K a year living below your means, you might not even have to do that. And it doesn't make as big of a difference as if you live, live below your means when you have maybe just more of a normal nine to five. And the reason is because of the time value of money and the compounding of money, right? So let's say you have... $3,000 in your bank account, you work at your local cafe, you make $18, $15 an hour, maybe $18 after tip in California, maybe in, in, in Arkansas, right. it's a little different. Let's right, say you make right. 10, to, 10 to 15 bucks an hour. At this level, you're going to have to grind a little bit with your $3,000 balance. Your goal should be to try to get it to 10,000 by the end of the year in a full calendar year, right? And you're going to have to grind a little bit and really count, you know, track your spending, figure out how much you can cut Make sure that you're saving as much as you can, because once you have a nice little size, sizable amount in your bank account, then that's where you can get more options and more options will be in the ter in terms of like starting a business, a side business, starting an, uh, some sort of investment, some sort of method where your money can start working for you. Because if you're always just at a $3,000 bank balance and you're doing that same job, then you're kind of just like spinning your wheels in place. If you, especially if you do it for five years and your bank balance is still $3,000. You got to get Quick to some question. critical mass. In because, my great points, because I, I, I had this thought that some people okay. are thinking. Some people are not entrepreneurially, they don't want to create a business. Oh, they, good they, point. It's not like they don't feel like they can, it's that they don't really want to start their own business. You mentioned making your money work for you. What are some other ways they can do that? Got it. Yeah. Actually, I do have a, I do have quite a bit of friends who aren't entrepreneurial at all, and they would not, they definitely would not want right. to do that. So you can still make your money work for you in a really passive way just by investing in low cost index funds or the market. Investing in a low cost index fund, which is basically one fund, you buy this one fund and it invests that money into 500 or 5,000 different stocks. You're basically okay. investing in the entire US market, for example. And you're at least getting a higher return than if you just put, leave that cash in your bank account. Obviously you take a little bit of risk because if the market tanks, you could lose that money. But over the long haul, long period of time, 40, 50, 60 years, the market has been proven to return around 8% a year. So at least if you get the ball rolling when you're young, even like $1,000 a month, sorry, $1,000 a year can go quite a bit, quite, right. quite a long ways. And that's, you know, so basically at that point, what it comes down to is, okay, you make a paycheck of two grand a month. You know, you, you budget 50% for your, all your expenses, you know, 25% right. for fun, 25% goes into saving or investing for the future. So that at least some point down the line, 20 years from now, you don't have to do that job anymore to make that same amount of money. You can passively live off your investments. Right. And so that's something that even when I was younger, I didn't really understand that concept. It wasn't until I was 26 or 27 that I started really taking investing a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it depends on the person. Like, obviously, not everybody's entrepreneurial like I am. Right, so right. Sometimes I kind of think in that in that frame of mind. But right, me too. Want, me too. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> there's still plenty of ways to to basically make your money work for you, right? And it doesn't have to just be investments in the market. It could be investments in other things as well. Just because I'm trying to put myself in the mind of someone right. who's listening to this, hungry for knowledge, they're going to be like, "Well, how do I do that?" I'll bet you there's information on Humphrey's channel and his content, or just like sure. online on how you can invest in those index funds. And very easy. Yeah. Right. Watch right. the video. Just, just check yeah. it out. Check it out.
Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else young people could invest in. I mean, what's your opinion on young people investing in the stock market? It depends on how quick they need the money. And that's always my, that's always basically, that's the question that a financial advisor will ask you all the time. How much risk can you afford? Right. How much mm -hmm. risk are you willing to risk? And number two, how long do you want to be invested for? If you want to be invested for 40 years, then yeah, definitely be in the stock market because chances are 99.9% .9 of the time, the stock market will be higher in 40 years than it is today. So it makes right. sense to invest in the stock market. But if your time horizon is like three years, right? Maybe you want to pay for a wedding or maybe you want to buy a house next in three years. Maybe it's not the right play to put your money in the stock market because let's say 2008 happens again or something like that. You lose all your money that you wanted to to set aside. Overall, I think the stock market is a pretty good investment, especially if your time horizon is long. Here's an idea for people for who are thinking of where they can invest. Here's a potential idea is you could put some stuff in the bank for now and either one, invest your time, you know, and spend maybe have live really, really, really uh, below your means and go to college or go to, you don't have to go to college. You can find a some kind of certificate to find a path to a better job. That's one way you can do it. Is like if, if you don't want to wait for the investments to grow, then you can improve your career, I guess, is, right. is what I would consider for some people. Because some people are like, they don't want to invest in their own business. They don't want to invest in an index fund. It sounds hard. They just kind of just want to get a good job that makes, for some people, 40K a year is plenty. Right. Um, where they can do that. And they might be well off just thinking like, well, I'll put some money in a fund that will eventually go towards, go towards a trade school or tuition. Um, and maybe you can find some scholarships or something to get a job in HVAC or Good plumbing. Point. Or yeah, yeah th th these are all different things that you can try. I'm just trying to think of ideas for people who want to do that. The reason why Humphrey uh, or me and probably Humphrey think in an entrepreneurial way is because for me, investing is always about whether or not I know more about that company than other people. Hmm. In what company do I have the most knowledge more than so other people? For me, it's my company, right? That's why I invested. <laughs> no, yeah. really. That, I mean, that's not an arrogant statement that like, I know my company isn't nearly as good as some someone's out there, but I know more about it. I know about, more about what I'm going to do. You know, I know more about the weaknesses we have. I know more mm -hmm. about the strengths we have. So I'm going to invest in that business. But then again, not everyone wants that. So you can, you can try to find some way to save up to go to college. Um, what's your opinion on college? Because we have a lot of people that are yeah. coming up like 15, 18. Do they have to go to college, in your opinion, to get a good career? My opinion kind of changes pretty often. Okay. But uh, to your point earlier, which is investing in yourself or your education, I think that's always a great way to path more, to, to more income if they'd rather take it into their own hands rather than investing into, let's say, the market. Um, right. For college, I think college is pretty good. Overall, I think it's good, but it really depends on the person's financial situation, what they want out of college. Is the college degree going to further your life in a way that is enriching and fulfilling? Like, so for some people, if they want to be a historian, then they should probably go to college for history. Or if they want to right. be a doctor, they got to go to college to go to med school, right? Right, right. And then there are people that just want to go to college for the social aspect because they don't want to miss out right. on that time that everybody talks about and it's kind of kind of like a culturally relevant thing to do. But if you're just thinking about it from a return on investment point of view, then college might not be the work, might not be the best return on your investment unless you're doing something extremely specialized that needs that education to do so. It depends on the person. For most people, I think it's 
it's okay because at least mm-hmm. they get them to do the degree and then they can get a corporate job or an office job right afterwards that can, can provide them an income. I'd say that's what a lot of people do. Right. But if you are entrepreneurial enough that you want to make your own income right out of college, or you know that you want to do some sort of trade right after college, why are you going to college? Right. Like if, if you want to, if you want to try to make it on your own right. or, or do a trade or, or do something like that. So for specific degrees, I think it's useful for people that want that cultural experience. I think it's useful for people that might be in a financial situation where going versus not going, it doesn't make a difference then. I would say just go if you don't know what you want right, to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. You need to do it. Exactly. But if, if money is like your ultimate concern and you want, you're worried about being put into debt and you already kind of have a feeling of what you want to do afterwards and you can try to pursue that, you know, when you're 18. I think a, a great takeaway that I want to summarize for people from that is, first of all, if you want to go to college, you do your thing. This is not me trying to, um, right. trying to dissuade you from any opinion, but it is not necessarily financially irresponsible or irresponsible overall, depending on what you want to do. If you don't go to college, it's not necessarily for everyone. I would say. Correct. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I added a lot of adverbs there, <laughs> but it's I agree. not. I agree. Uh, not everyone has to do it because I feel like some people don't want to, but they feel like everyone's telling them it, it's marketing. Oh, hundred percent. It, it is uh, from yeah. like from a young kid. It, they're telling them college, 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 or you're going to be a bum. For a lot of people, I think that it's culturally relevant, or it's society kind of accepts that that college is the way to go to be successful. But the truth is, is that most of the time in college, if you if you had a degree like I did, which was just like economics, you can learn everything that you need to know just on the Internet or just by reading. And you'll actually get better experience by actually doing right. But that's for me what's always held true is like if I do it, I learn more. Right. So I was just doing mostly theory stuff in, in college, and I don't think it helped me with actual tasks at a job at all. Now, for me. Financially, we were well off enough that I didn't have to get into too much debt to afford college, which I think, you know, I fit into that bucket, which is like, okay, if it doesn't really matter, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, I would go to college. But if you were to ask me today, and I'm going to college tomorrow, or, you know, I have to make a decision tomorrow, and I already the debt is a huge thing, then then I'm probably not going to be honest. But the thing is, is that I didn't have that confidence when I was 18, right? Now I have the right. I mean, like, who does? Who that? does? <laughs> By the way, like, if you have a takeaway from this, I don't want you to think Hampton's against college because th- there are several fields. If you want to do that, you should go to college. If you want to be a lawyer, okay, you, you got to go to law school. As, as far as I know, okay, th- there, I don't know if there's some some way to get around that. If you want to be a doctor, you have to go to med school. But there are some things that my friends are going into college for, and they're going into debt for. And I'm staying on this because it's such a huge topic that we talk about in the community that they don't necessarily have to. They, mm. it's not, it's not necessarily, I use that word a lot because it applies to different people necessarily a waste of time if that's how you want to learn, but it is not necessary. In my opinion, a good example of this is something I've done, which is web design. Okay. If you want to go to college for web design, if that's how you want to learn and it's not financially an issue, like your parents can pay for it, or you, um, or you have a full tuition scholarship, yeah. go for it. But there are other ways to learn it as someone who hires web designers or is open to hiring web designers. I don't really care. If you have a web design degree, I much more care about what's in your portfolio. Okay. I agree. You show me this amazing website you've done. I'm like, okay, done. You're hired. Whereas if you have no portfolio and you have a degree from Harvard or whatever the best web design college is, I would still say, Hey, congratulations on going to Harvard. Could you make me an example website before I pay $20,000 for this? 
No, but yeah. because yeah, I, I want to see what he can do. You, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the editor that I have, who's my teammate, also, right? He goes to college right now, but I'm telling him I didn't care if he went to college. For me, it's like I I cared if he went to college because now it just takes away time from his ability to work for me. <laughs> so like, I'd rather him just like I'd rather him just like if he's good at what he does and he knows that he doesn't need to finish college, then that's fine. But right. not everybody's like that. Not, right. everybody's not like everyone's that. like that, and, and not everyone wants to run that field. Right, and not everyone learns that well on their own some people they right. really need a, a, a course a college course and mm -hmm. uh, another point to defend college where if it's not a financial problem and you're in a field where connections matter oh. you do meet some some pretty cool people in college sometimes your professor or you know people you sit next to right because Definitely. your degree may not may not matter as much as if you sat next to the C, the future ceo of disney it's like oh yeah he was my roommate <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and to and to college's defense, it can really do that for you, especially if you go to a college and you want to stay in that city. So, like, let's say, right. I don't know, you're in Chicago and you go to the University of Chicago and you meet a lot of other native Chicagoans and you want mm -hmm. to stay in that city. Maybe the person that you sit next to, or the one that you played frisbee with, or the one that you ate dinner with on weekends, you know, his dad or her dad owns like one of these companies that you can go work for. You right, never know. exactly. And, and that's the thing with networking is that sometimes you can learn so much from other people that you could save yourself so much time and money down the road, right? Like if we're both making mistakes in YouTube, we probably learn faster than if just one of us was doing YouTube, trying to learn these mistakes on their own. True. True. Exactly. The power of a network is pretty powerful, like not networking. Cause I don't like that term, but the power of other people is very interesting, right? Like the right, more collaboration, you know, yeah. Collaboration, sharing ideas, you can really get pretty far. So, so to college's defense, I have made a lot of great, friends at college that I would say, you know, sometimes I still bounce ideas off of them today. Right. Same with high school, right. you know, so that's <laughs> ending yeah. college. <laughs> yeah. makes a lot of sense. Well, Hey, uh, and that's, um, that's a point that I'll, I'll bring up for people that are wondering about me. I did go to college too. I got a degree. It was actually international business, which oh. is kind of what I'm doing now, but I didn't <laughs> yeah. use anything that I learned in college for that. No, I had a good time in college. I did not rack up any debt. You know, I, for me, I work really hard at getting scholarships. I applied mm -hmm. to a bunch of different grants. Separate topic. Another thing that you brought up that I think is really important because I wish someone had told me this uh, 17 and 18 when I was applying for colleges. Sure. First of all, apply early because the deadline is probably a lot sooner than you think. Second of all, Ivy League is really marketed towards you, but think about where you want to work. In Arkansas, if you have a, like a major Arkansas company, the CEO may have gone to University of Arkansas and he might right. respect you more if you're like, hey, you went to my college. Oh, yeah, I love eating in that restaurant than if you went to Harvard, right? It's Harvard's still impressive, but I mean, it's like that shared thing where it's like, oh, I went to the University of Arkansas too. Like we're, you know, we're a little bit more connected. So think about that, Agreed. not necessarily Agreed. the most expensive, but where are you going to work? So I would think about that. To follow on to something we touched upon earlier, because you mentioned some, some stats, but I want to hammer it in for some some of our viewers, budgeting, super important for many people, uh, if not all people. What was the breakdown that you had? 50% to this, 20% to this, 30% to what? Like 50% to your needs. So like your rent, your utilities, your grocery bill, right? Every single month, you probably know how much you spend on those things. Mm -hmm. If you can make your paycheck 50% of that, then you're in a pretty good spot. Sometimes, it, it, and obviously in some, in some places, like if you live in California, maybe your rent is already 50% of your total income. And yeah. you're spending another five to 10% on utilities and, and, and groceries and stuff. So that's not possible for you. But mm -hmm. in most places, if you can spend less than half your income on your needs, then that gives you more disposable income to kind of allocate towards 
the things that you want and you're investing. So personally for me, like I always tried to save or invest 40% of my income. Not that was always not possible, but that's my mm -hmm. golden like number. That's the number I want to strive for. I think these days it's right around 30 or 40%, but obviously the more that you can, you can save the better, but um, that's probably a good rule of thumb for, for most people starting out is like half, half of your income to, to needs. And 30, 40% for you for investment. Do you factor in your content creation stuff into that? Oh, like investing? Yeah. Investing or will it, because I, I know you haven't really leveraged your capital, like you said earlier. Um, that's yeah. 20%. Is that, I mean, my, I think my business? Business, so on my business side, I probably would, would invest most of it more than 40%, probably like 60 to 80% of the money. Right. Right. Kind of how I am. Yeah. Or more if I can, cause I don't need that much to live. I'm probably just like you. I do the same things every day. I don't live a lavish lifestyle. I just kind of eat the same things every day too. So my, my, <laughs> my burn rate is pretty low. And I think that burn rate gives me a lot of leverage and a lot of freedom to to basically invest more into the business. I kind of like living that way. I would say I'm I'm going to try to reinvest a minimum 80% into my business next year. So we'll see. Wow. Wow. If, we'll wow. see. I say that now, but we, we don't That's know. That's high. It's high. So do you plan to make more money? Because what about the 50% for needs? Or are your needs is relatively low? My needs are relatively low. Yeah. Okay. To, okay, to my income now. But uh, yeah, I think back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day, it was right around 50% was my needs. 50, sometimes even okay. 60% because rent was high here. So to an individual who's listening to this, to a question they may be having in their, in their mind, as they make more money, that 50% may drop. Yes, right? hopefully. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs> as they make more money. For me, this is a fun fact that nobody asked for. My needs have stayed the same, but I this is an interesting look into my psychology. Where I chose to spend my money was on other people, friends and family who needed mm. money. Uh, that's yeah. probably my biggest thing right now. Is That's like usually my biggest people. expense per month these days is other people, which is, it's nice that we're aligned right. on that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's the, it's the H vowel MP thing. That's the, that, that's, <laughs> that's the thing that unites all of us. Hump and ham. Yeah. I didn't realize right, that. Hump and ham. Yeah. That sounds like a comedy duo for something. We'll have a show someday. Yeah. Hump and ham. <laughs> Some other way to market that. That your, that your needs haven't gone down though. Are you, uh, have you increased your income quite as considerably with hybrid calisthenics or do you still, yes. I know you don't do sponsorships um mm -hmm. but obviously with ad revenue and and some of the things that you have got going on i'm sure it's definitely increased a lot right uh, right right uh revenue has increased a lot in the past couple of years mm. now did you say it's interesting that my needs haven't gone down yeah i thought your needs would be going down with your the proportion of your income going a little bit higher oh okay okay so no no um i mean not percentage wise but the absolute value like my rent is still would still be the same oh, the absolute value is the same but percentage wise right. it's lower Oh yeah, much lower, much okay. lower. Yeah, that's it, it, okay. used to be like eighty something percent. Is what yeah, 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 I hear right, you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. the key. That's the key. If you start to make more money, is keep that absolute value number the same for your fixed expenses, and you'll start mm -hmm. to see it compound over time. And I think that's I think that's one of the secrets to just building wealth is just keeping your lifestyle low and and continuing to increase your income. Right. If you can. If you can. Right. Or if you want to, I don't know if anybody wants to. Well, see, it's up to you. And I mean, if you have any more questions about this, really, just please check out Humphrey's channel. That's why I had him here. I know this is not going to get as many likes, not because of us or anything. Just no, I mean, it's just because he knows it. it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Fine, it's for, for, Humphrey, for Humphrey, please like this. But uh, I agree. I, I know it's, it's not my audience, but I know the people who do click on it. I really want to help them. So please check out his channel. I, I like Humphrey. That's why I had him on. I never have someone on that I don't like. I, I don't bring someone on just to argue. 
I don't have that much spare time. <laughs> so so um, check him out. I think he can help you out. For a final clarification, and then we'll get into the, the wrap up. You said 50% for expenses, 50% for needs, and then a little bit more for investing. The final part is the fun part. It's the wants, right? Yeah. It's the wants. Between, I mean, whatever your wants are, like let's say you let's say it's 30%, then the rest should be investments, right? So mm-hmm. you can you can feel free to tinker that with that all you want. But as long as you're investing a little bit, that's better than nothing. And it's better than the average American. So if even even if your investing is 5% of your remaining income, at least you're investing. That's already a huge step. And I think people feel bad when they say, oh, I can only invest 20 bucks a month. But that's better than the person not investing 20 bucks a month. It's almost like saying, I feel bad for running a mile today when someone else is running a marathon. But at least you right. ran a mile because you're not just sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. So fitness, I don't know if that's fitness, but you know what I mean? Even a little bit goes a long right, way. Right. Yeah, a little bit goes a long way. For me, it's are you on the journey? If someone starts their weight loss journey and they're still the same weight a month ago as they are now, it's like, oh, I didn't make any, I didn't make any progress. But did you? Because then right. you ruled out paleo or keto or whatever. I, I'm not against these diets, but like for you, that person, yeah. it didn't work. It's like you ruled it out. You made progress on your journey. Your number hasn't gone down or up yet, but now you know a little bit more about yourself. And then it gets, so like, just stay on it. The whole thing is the journey. The whole thing is the journey. Agreed. Agreed. That's a great thought to end on. (laughs) Right. We are going to wrap up a little bit. Um, Humphrey, where should people find you? I'll link your social media down below. Uh, YouTube and TikTok, you said? Yeah, YouTube is just my name, Humphrey Yang, and TikTok is Humphrey Talks. Uh, obviously, if you want to come check out my YouTube videos, that would be appreciated. But uh, don't feel obligated to subscribe or anything. Just uh, if you're interested, please do. And then that's it. Yeah. Any final parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Uh, happiness is peace from mind, not peace of mind. Interesting. I like that. So happiness the more that from mind. Yeah, the, your mind is very distracting, and sometimes I feel the happiest when I'm when my mind is not involved. So whenever I find something that my mind is not involved or I'm so focused that I'm focused on the task at hand, that's usually when I'm happiest. So peace from mind, not peace of mind. (laughs) Beautiful. I like it. Humphrey, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Hampton. Appreciate it. Check him out, Humphrey. Bye.